Heavenly Father, there is nothing that is better than you. Thank you for this reminder here this morning. We can often overemphasize or think too much on the, the physical things that we have in our lives, uh, the things that are happening or not happening. Thank you for the reminder that there is nothing better than you. No thing is better than you. You have done so many miraculous things throughout the course of time and history, and the same is true for us. Father, help us to approach you this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts for all the things that you've done for us in the past, the things that you have yet to do. Father, thank you so much for who you are, what you've done, for loving us in a special way. Father, won't you bless our time here this morning? Speak to us through your word so we can walk out of here clearly knowing and understanding who you are and, and, and what you have for us, the purpose that you set before us and how we might be able to live it out in our lives here today. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. My Lord, my strength and my redeemer, in whom I trust. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning again. Thank you for all being here today. And um, I just as, as much as I am grateful for, for Chrissy and the worship team, I'm also grateful for all the folks that came in and helped uh, to clean up and with mopping and, and sweeping up dust and arranging people to come in, the restoration team uh, to come in and, and help us with all those matters and all those f folks who are, are planning what, what's next for us, how we're going to address the various issues as far as the, the repairs go. And, and man, I'm just so grateful for each of you. And I'm also grateful for, for those of you like, what's, what's going to happen with our ministries? Are we going to be able to continue to come and, and serve and, and service? Are we going to continue to be able to have prayer service? Well, what about Sunday school? I'm grateful for, for all of you, all the folks that have called and offered prayer for uh, us and me personally. I'm grateful for all of you. And I just love this church. Hopefully I, I say that enough. But I love you. I love God's people. I love God's church. And I'm just grateful. Today we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, starting in, in verse 8. And this is kind of what I, what I just uh, had an example of. Is, is kind of what Paul does when he opens up the letter to the Romans here. The church is there in Rome. He, he steps out and and it displays and talks about the gratitude that he has for God's people. And, you know, I don't think we do enough of that. I don't think we do enough of, of celebrating other people and letting them know how important they are to us in our lives. And I, th I think we should do more of that. Uh, so uh, the, there's a, some folks that I meet with, and during the meeting, we start off every meeting with, some praise. You know, what happened this week that you want to give God some praise for? And each person goes down the line, and the person that was running the meeting, they have this this machine. This is on Zoom, and so they have uh, this tool where they can ha have an applause button. And so after every praise, you hear people clapping. 
you know, people don't get enough applause, right? People don't get enough gratitude uh, when you do something um, that somebody appreciates. And when you say, well, I love and honor you, sometimes we may say thank you or whatever, but what if we, man, th thank you so much. I appreciate all of you. Like, what if we did that? I'm just gonna clap by myself. You just gonna, you don't agree with me. We don't, we don't need more applause in our lives, but doesn't that feel good for us? If somebody were to clap for you and tell you how much they appreciate you, and now you should be doing the things because of the, the, out of the kindness of your heart because God gave you certain gifts in order to utilize and you want to be a blessing to others. Yes, of course, we should do that without any thinking about what is going to come in return, but it doesn't hurt to be appreciated. It does not hurt at all one bit. There's a saying that goes, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Some people want to be the smartest person in the room and show how, how good they are. And, how, oh, when, when I did this back in my time or when I was doing this or I, whatever it is, and they want to make themselves appear more. You know, people don't care about that stuff. People want to be served. And when you're able to serve somebody, that's when you have the connection with others. That's when that bond becomes very um, clear and strong. The Apostle Paul opens up the, the letter to the Romans and he, he, he gives his greeting and he shares exactly where his heart is. Look with me in your copy of God's Word. We're going to be in Romans 1, starting in verse 8. Here God's Word reads, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, who I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Isn't this beautiful? That he opens up this letter. And it's, imagine that you got this letter in the mail. And it opens up like this. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Wow. That's, that's special. That's, that's beautiful. Today, we're going to talk about some key characteristics of what it looks like to be a Christian. And here is the first. Here is the first key that we see in our text this morning of a characteristic of a Christian. And that first one is that a Christian should be thankful. Now, a lot of uh, people that don't follow, that follow God, that's, that's why I don't like church folks. And you got these church folks walking around me mugging like everybody else, talking about how bad the world is and about how uh, everything is going to hell in a handbasket and things are not working out for them and how I don't like this person or that person and this political party and that political party. And the, the folks that don't follow Jesus are like, I thought they were supposed to be better. I thought they followed a guy who, who, who was about a love. Did, doesn't he say that somewhere in his text that the, they would know you're my disciples by my love? But often Christians are known for more what they're against than what they are for. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't stand up for what is right and what is true. But there's a balance here. People should know us by our love and they should, even when we express things that are going sideways, 
even when we express things that are not working out in the world, we should express that with grace and love. That we're not trying to be hateful, but we're actually exhibiting our love because we care for people enough that we want them to know the truth. I think we often miss that, but Paul here displays it really well. First and foremost, he thanks God and gives a brief view into his personal prayer life. And this is a similar way he opens up many of his other letters. He opens up with thanksgiving to God. How many of you start your day like this? How many of you wake up in the morning, you open your eyes and say, thank God. Some people didn't wake up this morning. Some people woke up to various things going on. Maybe they had pipes burst in their own house. Or maybe they got woken up to a call with bad news. Something happened to one of their loved ones. We have so much to be thankful for. So much that we often take it for granted. Just to be able to to open our eyes, to, to, to lift our legs over the side of the bed, right? That's, that's half the battle right there. We should be thanking God for that. How many of you start everything that you begin by thanking God? And then, like I said before, how would you feel if somebody greeted you this way? Hey, good morning. Good morning, Linda. I, I thank God for you. David, I'm so happy to see you. I thank God for you. I thank God for who you are and what you've done. Nancy, always here, always being able to come. I thank God for you. How does that feel? Well, wouldn't that be nice that would be like some of our everyday vernacular? I was telling somebody the other day, the way you know somebody walks with the Lord and is in their scripture all the time is because they start to sound like scripture. That's how you know somebody is reading their Bible. They start to sound like Bible. Wouldn't that be nice if all of us sounded like this? We sounded like the Apostle Paul. Paul shows a ton of humility as well. As he's thanking God for them, he shows a ton of humility because we know he went out and he was the evangelist and he went out and spreading the gospel. He started a ton of different churches, but he didn't have a hand in Rome. The churches there in Rome, he didn't have anything to do with those. They were founded by somebody else. So it wasn't like he was patting himself on the back and like, oh, I heard about you guys. You guys are doing great. Yeah, you know, when I planted you, that's why you're doing so good. That's not what we hear from Paul. Paul had no vested interest, or I shouldn't say vested interest, but he had no hand in planting there. He, He admits himself, I haven't even been there yet. And you guys love the Lord with all your hearts, minds, and souls, and I'm grateful for you. So why does Paul thank God for them? He tells us, he says that their faith is proclaimed in all the world. He's like, I heard about you guys. You know, without social media, without the news, without newspapers, people were talking about what was going on in Rome and the faithful Christians there, and he heard about it. And you know, instead of being jealous, because again, he's, he could have felt a certain type of way, because like, you know, hey, I planted all these churches, but I mean, how dare this church be doing well and thriving without me? That's not where he's coming from. He's thankful and grateful for what they're doing. 
he's lifting up his hands and he's giving them applause because of what they're doing and their steadfastness in the Lord. He is so thankful. He praises the Lord regardless of whether it was part of his ministry or not. Now, wouldn't that be another thing for us to emulate? That we be grateful when we see other Christians standing firm and doing what God has called them to do. That they're praying for one another. They're out serving in the community. I've said it before. We've got a litany of other churches right here on this very street but we're not in competition with them. We are all striving so that people might know the name of Jesus. And you know what? People that go to Cristo S. Ray, they're going to get served in a way that's different than people get served here at First Baptist Bolingbrook. The people down the street of the Compass will get served in a different way, be able to utilize their gifts in a different way than they can here at First Baptist Bolingbrook. And praise God for that. I hope that we can lock arms and go together and serve the Lord in his community so that Bolingbroke might know the name of Jesus, not just because of First Baptist Bolingbroke, it's because of who Jesus Christ is and the work that he's doing through his people in these churches. So first, a key characteristic of a Christian is that we would be thankful, that we would thank God for who he is and what he's done. Next, every Christian should be committed Paul says as he, as God is his witness, he serves with his spirit in the gospel of his son. And this means he, this means he's totally committed to the Lord, completely sold out for Jesus, giving everything in his all to him. Paul is a walking, talking testimony of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Nothing mattered to Paul except that the work of the Lord be done. He was about his father's business, and that's what he cared about. That's what he thought about. Far too often in our lives, we get tied up about what's not working in our lives. Now, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to sell you out. I mean, just thinking about what's not going, what's not working right. Why didn't I get that job promotion? Man, why didn't, why wasn't I popular in school? Man, how come I didn't hit the Powerball last night? We're thinking about all these different things that are going on, but it's only when nothing else matters in your life, but what matters to the Lord is when the Lord starts to get things done. We've got to be completely and totally sold out for Jesus. And that's the only thing that matters. Because as we sung just a minute ago, there is nothing that is better than him. When you take your focus off yourself and put it on him, that is when your goals and priorities change. When you start to see things through the lens of the gospel, then you start to think, well, all this stuff that I'm trying to do, none of that, it matters. It's not important. What matters is that I know Jesus and follow him and do what he's called me to do and that I tell others about him, that I love others just as I love myself, that I love God above any and all things. I want you to also see something else here in this text. It says in in verse nine, it says, for God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, I mentioned you. I want you to notice here, and it's, it's easy to miss, but this word that's translated as serve here in this verse is the same word that is translated as worship in other places 
in the New Testament. What this is communicating is that there is no greater form of worship than pure, heartfelt service and devotion to the Lord. There is no greater worship than service. Romans 12 and 1, we'll get to this later, but I want to give you a preview of this now. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the, is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So knowing this, knowing that when we get together, we are here to worship our Lord and Savior, but we also have an expression of this when we are in service to him and the people that we're surrounded by. That that is a form of worship as well. And we need to be committed to that. Right, so every Christian, if you look at the characteristics of a Christian, every Christian should be thankful Every Christian should be committed. And third, every Christian should be prayerful. Paul's primary ministry, as we talked about a moment ago, is him being an evangelist. He traveled around telling the people about the gospel. That was his first ministry. But Paul shows us that he had a second ministry as well. And that second ministry was just as vital as the first. And the second ministry is a ministry of prayer. And it's because of their faith in the gospel, Paul says, that, the, that he keeps the Romans, the churches there in his prayers. Even though he's not with him physically, he's not able to be there. He was hindered from getting there and, and worshiping with them and teaching them and, and bringing them up. He, he was not able to be there, but he didn't, he didn't throw up his hands like, well, I, I can't be there. There's nothing else I could do. Oh, they're on their own. I hope they figure it out. No, that's not what he does. He spends time thinking about them and lifting them up in prayer. Why? Because it mattered. Because it's important. Because it's powerful. It's, it's meaningful. He knew the power that prayer had when he lifted them up in prayer. He knew that, that the Lord was listening and would do his work. He does it because he knows how impactful it is to be on his knees in prayer. This should be a powerful lesson for us too. Remembering and thinking about the importance that prayer plays in our lives as Christians. I don't know about you, but I can sometimes have some selfish prayers. Lord, help me out of this situation. Lord, give me the right mind to be able to deal with this person that gets on my nerves. Lord, Lord, just, just help me to, to be, be out. Help me to get out of this jam. Help me uh, to, to, to be there for my family. Lord, just bless my family, right? Those prayers are often familiar. But like Paul, I have to be intentional about um, having a prayer list so I can get myself outside of myself, that I can be thinking about you, that I can be thinking about Bolingbrook and the, the country and the world. I, I, I'm telling you what I do. I have a list that I go through every morning because otherwise then I'll just de degrade back to, to what I'm comfortable with. But it's important, it's necessary, it's, it's vital 
for us all to be thinking outside of ourselves and lifting each other up in prayer, especially here, uh, us here as a body of believers. Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 6 and 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And we want to pray for people that are close to us, that we, that we like, we get along with. But I'll tell you what, the people that you need to pray for most is the people you don't get along with. The people that kind of rub you the wrong way. The people like when you see them coming, you go the other way. You need to be praying for them the most. You don't know what's going on in their lives. Well, he's like, well, they don't know what's going on in my life. Hopefully they're praying for you too. If they're a brother or sister in Christ, if they are a brother or sister, we ought to be praying for one another, lifting each other up in prayer. God wants us to be involved in a prayer ministry that touches the lives of others. That's why we have our weekly prayer service. That's why it's so important so that we can corporately come together and petition the Lord on the behalf of others in addition to ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that uh, having selfish prayer is all wrong, but if that's the only thing you're doing, we need to bring ourselves out of that, right? We, we do need to pray for ourselves and ask God. You know, the scripture says you, you, you get not because you ask not, right? So we do need to be praying for ourselves, praying for our families, but I want to open things up. Make sure you're praying for your brothers and sisters, your family, you, that you're uh, praying for Bolingbrook, you're praying for the United States, you're praying for our president. As it might be, uh, you sure you want to pray for the president? Yes. You're praying for our people in authority, our rulers and leaders. I mean, that's scriptural. You're praying for the world. How else do we expect to have some manifest change if we're not going and trusting the Lord and, and who he is and what he's going to do for us. If we're trying to do things in our own might, in order to do this, in order to be praying for one another, we have to display a little vulnerability. That means you have to go and tell somebody what's going on and sharing in ways that they can be praying for you. Well, I don't want people in my business like that you might be saying. Well, if you trust in the Lord and you follow him and that we can come together and be, be praying for you, you, you know how uh, important that, that would be for us to be lifting you up in prayer, that, that through that prayer that you might understand and realize um, some, some ways that you can be helped, some, some avenues that you go down you hadn't considered before. Then Lord, the Lord would, would bring somebody into your life that can be walking alongside you the whole way. You don't have to be in it by yourself. You know, it breaks my heart when somebody comes and tells me I haven't seen them for a couple of weeks and, hey, where you been? I miss you. What's been going on? And like, oh man, I was dealing with this. I was sick and lost my job and all these other kind of things happened. I'm like, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you tell? I could have been praying for you. You didn't have to carry this burden on your own that we could have been together and, and others have been praying for you and helping you out. Maybe somebody else, I mean, you lost your job. Or I know somebody who is in the industry that you're in that has an opening. Oh, well, I got a job now. It's not as great. You need to be 
a little vulnerable with brothers and sisters and open up and, 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 and allow them to serve you in that way so they can be praying for you, lifting you up to the Lord. And if nothing else, that, so they can help to provide some, some comfort and, and encouragement when you're going through rough times. Paul knew what to pray for because the people shared what was happening in their lives. They, they were sharing because it was making its way all the way uh, across the, the known world. Then if someone shares a prayer request with you, it's good to pray in the moment. I was guilty of this for a long time. And people would say, well, let's share something with me. And like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. And then talk to somebody else, talk to somebody else. And I mean, I don't, my, my memory is not as good as it used to be. <laughs> and I forget to pray. So take them time, if it's an opportunity right then, if you can, to go ahead and pray for them. And um, if your memory is still not good and you want to pray for them later, write it down, do something. We got the, the smartphones in our, our pockets. You can make a note, put it on your calendar to be able to pray for that person, lift them up in prayer, and they can do the same for you. Finally, share what the Lord is up to. Sometimes some people do a better job of sharing what's not working. Hey, I need prayer for such and such. This person's in the hospital, whatever. But what we lack sometimes is like, what did the Lord do through that? What, what, what was the outcome? Was the surgery successful? Like, are we good? Like, let's lift the Lord up and give him the praise for what he's done in our lives. And people want to want to go through and they, they struggle. Like, well, I'm past that. I'm, I'm through it. But the Lord is the one that brought you through. There might be somebody else going through something similar that you can share your testimony with that might give them some encouragement. Man, if you go a day or a week without being able to give praise to the Lord, I mean, you're not paying attention. That's why I like this group that I meet with so much because it, it it, it, it forces me to sit down and like, what am I grateful for this week? What, what specifically did the Lord do where he showed up in a magnificent way that I can give him praise for this week? Now I look forward to sharing that with others and getting the applause. The applause, for, not for me, but for what the Lord has done in my life. Look with me in verse 11. He says, for as long as I see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually encourage by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be aware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as, other, as, as, well as among the rest of the Gentiles. So the fourth key that I want you to see here this morning, the key of characteristic of a Christian is that every Christian should be usable. Every Christian should be usable. Paul says that he wants to get to Rome so that he can bless the church through his gifts of leadership and teaching. He doesn't go and like, like I said, he's not trying to pat himself on the back. He's not trying to be, you know, kind of a, a tag along and, and get in on it so he can give himself some credit later. He's like, man, you guys are doing so. I got all these gifts that I want to help to, to, to put some fire under you, to help to continue to propel you in the way the Lord is, is driving you. Since God has given him so many unique gifts, he is anxious to share them so that the church could grow in the things of the Lord. 
It's like, I got so much for you. His goal was to be used by the Lord in any way that the Lord saw fit. He wasn't trying to take over. He uh, just, just wanted to be a blessing. So in the same way, he also recognized his own need for encouragement. He's like, he, he says, for as long as I see you, that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we might be mutually encouraged. He's like, I might be able to give you something, but I know I can get something from you guys. As, as on fire as you all are, man, I want a piece of that. I want to join you. Maybe some of it might be an encouragement to me too, that I might continue to be on fire myself and go to be able to encourage others. When you share your gifts and talents, you also get to take advantage of the gifts and talents of others. So I, I asked, hey, how can you serve the Lord here at the local body at First Baptist Bolingbrook? Right? We have immediate needs for our children's program. We've got worship and we've got other needs. How is the Lord uniquely gifted you that you might put those things to work here in this local body. And, and by serving, which, which again is a form of worship, by serving, you not only get to give, but you also get to get. By serving in those capacities, you'll get to experience and acknowledge and take advantage of other people's gifts as well. So that you might grow in various areas, that you might be blessed as well. So by not serving... Not only are you cheating the body of Christ, but you're cheating yourself. We all need to get to work. We need to get to action. You need other believers, and other believers need you. It's so important. This is why we're together as a body of believers. The fifth characteristic I want you to see of a Christian, we see in the text here, is that a Christian should be obligated. Look with me in verse 14. It says, I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. God gave Paul a gospel message. And because he got it, he was obligated to share it. He simply couldn't keep it to himself. How could you know the greatest message that the world has ever known and keep it to yourself, to keep it a secret and not share it? That, that would be just like malpractice. To, to, to keep this to yourself. Many of you know that I love barbecue. One of my favorite pastimes is throwing meat on the smoker. Man, when I get a good fire going... I'm looking around the house. What else can I throw in the smokers? I can take advantage of this good fire. You know, and I got a friend who knows how much I love to do this. And in the summertime, he, he, he sends me a text. Uh, hey, there's ribs on sale. Hey, Myers got two for one. There's some bris brisket over here. And he's, he's texting me all the time because he knows how much that I, that I love to smoke meats. And he feels obligated, like Vaughn's got to know about this so he can snap up some meat and make some good. Maybe he'll invite me over if, if I tell him. He feels like, man, he's got to know about this. I, a couple of times I'm like, dude, I got too much meat in the freezer. Just chill out. Like, I, I'm not going to buy any more ribs. <laughs> I got too much. But he felt like, man, Vaughn has got to know about this so that he can take advantage of these sales because I know how much he loves to smoke barbecue. 
You remember when gas was $3, less than $3? What if we left here today and you drove down the street and the gas was $2.89? What would you do? Other than fill up. We, we know you're going to fill up, right? You probably get some extra canisters and fill up, put it in your trunk or whatever. But I would imagine you call your friends or family, hey, guess what? Gas is $2.89 right on the corner, about in 53. You better get there as soon as possible. Right? We, we would feel compelled, we would feel obligated to share this with people that we know love. They need to know about this. We wouldn't be able to keep it to ourselves. You would feel obligated to share this deal, wouldn't you? Huh? Brothers and sisters, the gospel message is the most important message that we've ever seen, that we've ever known. The gospel message is more important than any sale on gas, any sale on meat, even the birth of, of your children or, or grandchildren. I know that sounds harsh, but it's the truth. The gospel is that important. You should feel obligated. You should feel compelled that other people would know this message. They would know about the good news that they don't have to suffer in this life or the next. All they have to do is put their trust in the man named Jesus who died for them, who paid the price on their behalf, who wiped the slate clean for them, who conquered death for them so that they might have life, who sits at the right hand of the Father right now praying, interceding for them, for you, there's nothing better. There's nothing greater. Nothing better than the gospel. People need to know that they're guilty before a holy God and can only be saved through Jesus Christ. Just like we would stop somebody from running across the street uh, uh, that full of cars driving uh, 50 miles an hour, we would stop them and say, don't do it. You're going the wrong way. But when it comes to their eternal security, I don't want to offend them. I want them to be able to live their own truth. There can only be one truth, by the way. Don't, don't let the world fool you. Two different things cannot be true at once. It's, it's, it's binary. It's, it's one or, or zero. It's either true or false. You can't have multiple truths. If I came and told you the carpet is yellow, you would say that I'm crazy and want, to, want me to go commit to a hospital. There's no amount of logic that I can make you believe and think that this carpet is yellow. There's not your truth and my truth. There is the truth and is found in God's word. And this is more important than any sale, any deal, anything that you can ever think of. People need to know that they're lost and in need of a savior. This gospel is not only for the unbeliever, by the way. So we want to talk about go and sharing the gospel with, with those who don't know Jesus Christ. Yes, absolutely. Amen. But the gospel is not only for the unbeliever. As believers, we need to constantly remind ourselves of the gospel as well. I don't know about you. I just talked about how forgetful I am. 
Sometimes I forget how powerful the gospel is and remind myself of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done in the moment. When I feel despair, when I feel sadness, when I feel anger or whatever it is, I need to remind myself of who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for me. And I'm sure you would need to do the same. We need to not only understand doctrine, but we also need to know how to apply it to our lives and remind ourselves that our identity, that our hope is only found in Christ. The world will feed you another message and we get confused. We need to remind ourselves, go back to the scripture. That's why our Bible reading plan is so important. Because we're daily fixing our mind on Jesus, understanding uh, of what God's word says, who God is, who God says we are to inform how we live our lives. And for Paul, the gospel shapes the lives of the believers and empowers believers for service. This is like our engine in our tank. When we think about the gospel and the power within it, it helps to propel us for what God has, has done for us. And as he communicates through his letter, Paul does, he wants every part of the Christian life to be soaked in the gospel. To him, there was nothing better. There was nothing greater. There's nothing more important than the gospel message. So like Paul, every part of your being should drip with life, should have hope, should have peace, joy, faith, obedience, righteousness, love, and, and so much more when you think about the gospel. Brothers and sisters, you have an obligation. Just like Paul, you have an obligation as well. And by the way, your, your obligation is not to God. I mean, what, he, what he's given to you is given freely. The gift of salvation is given to you freely. However, like Paul, you're obligated to those around you. You're obligated to those who are perishing. And it's within the pages of the Bible that we have the key. We have the answer to the problem of sin. We have the cure for folks who lack joy and hope. How could we keep that to ourselves? How could we not share this message? Mark 16 and 15 says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Not like, well, I shared it one time, you know, in 1990, and uh, they said no. So I give up. No. Go and share it to all creation. This can take every one of you, all the Christians around the world, in order to make this happen that people of all creation be able to hear this gospel message. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to share this message? How could you keep this message to yourself? I don't know about you. I mean, if you think back to sharing about the gas, like you would feel, I oh, mean, I got this thing. I, I can't keep it to myself. People have to know this. They got to get this cheap gas. but we, we have the answer to sin. We have hope that offers eternal life. How are we not as excited, if not more, to be able to share that message? Well, you might say, you, you, maybe you don't have the right words to say. Maybe you don't have enough courage. Acts 1 and 8 says, you will receive power. 
You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So every Christian, right, should be thankful, should be committed, should be prayerful, should be usable, should be obligated. Lastly, if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a Christ follower, you should also be courageous. You should be courageous. Romans 1 and 16, this is the, the primary theme of the book of Romans. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For it is in righteousness of God is, re is revealed from faith to faith, and is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 8 and 38. It says, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will uh, the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Ouch. I mean, it's more than ouch. Anybody who's ashamed of our Heavenly Father, he will be also ashamed when he comes to the glory. When you stand before him, this is going to come up. And some people think the gospel message is silly, it's foolish, but the reality is that it's the power of God for salvation. That's what the gospel message is. Our confidence, when you go and share the gospel, when you go and serve people, our confidence is not in us. Our confidence is in him. Our confidence is in God's word. It's in God's gospel. When we receive the gospel by faith, what, what it is that we receive the saving benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection and the real faith, our real faith results in obedience. That's why people who say that they're Christians really don't look like Jesus, they don't act like Jesus, they can't really say they're Christians. If you don't follow somebody you say you submit your life to, this is your master of your life, you don't look anything like him, then again, two things can't be true at the same time. So if you're with us today and you're not a follower of Christ, please know that righteousness cannot be earned. You can't do enough good stuff to earn your way in heaven. It's not how it works. Jesus Christ, when he gave up his life on the cross, he says, it is finished. He says, I did all the work. I did everything that was necessary. I lived a life that you couldn't live. I paid the price that you couldn't pay. It's done. It's finished. I've done it for you. All you have to do is follow me. All you have to do is obey my commands. And if you're a follower, if you are a follower of Christ, I hope this message helps you to, to clarify how you, you live out what you read in Scripture. How you apply this to your own life. How you can check, as I went down and talk about the key characteristics of a Christian, that you go like, man, I need to really work on my prayer life. 
man, sometimes I feel weak and I don't, I don't feel like I have courage because I'm relying on my own self. We're, none of us are there yet. So don't feel like, oh, I'm behind, I'm messing this up. I mean, even as I stand before you today, I'm not there yet. As I fall on my face regularly. I have to go and repent to the Lord regularly for the things I do and say to the things that I don't do and say. So I hope you will hear this and I hope you would submit your life to Christ and just be dripping with the truth of what the gospel is this morning. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you so much for this reminder of who you are and what you've done. Help us to know and that we can be confident in you and uh, your gospel message. Help us to, to just be excited about this hope, this, this good news that we have, that it would uh, propel us to be obedient to you and, and have a joy and, and, and happiness and strength and all those things that come with it. But uh, more than that, that we would go and, and share it with others who need to hear it, that we would build relationships with people around us so that we can get to know them and be able to speak truth into their lives and they might know the name of Jesus they too might be able to look forward to forever and eternity with you. Father, use us here, shape us and mold us into your image, Father. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.